Well, this week I came across an opinion piece that really piqued my interest. It was out of an old statement from Rome back in the 9 BC era. This is written, inscribed on a wall back in an ancient city, which is in now modern-day Turkey. It's about the excellence of the Roman emperor Augustus. I want to read a section of it to you. Listen to some of the key words and how he wanted to be perceived and how he demanded people to understand him. The most divine Caesar, we should consider equal to the beginning of all things. For when everything was falling into disorder and tending towards dissolution, he restored it once more and gave the whole world a new aspect. Caesar the common good fortune of all, the beginning of life and vitality. All the cities unanimously adopt the birthday of the divine Caesar as the new beginning of the year, whereas the providence which has regulated our whole existence has brought our life to the climax of perfection in giving us the Emperor Augustus, who being sent to us and our descendants as Savior, has put an end to the war and set all things in order. And whereas, having become God manifest, Caesar has fulfilled all the hopes of earlier times, the birthday of the God Augustus has been for the whole world the beginning of good news concerning him. How utterly ridiculous. Caesar. This self-ascribed God demanded that everyone proclaim Caesar is Lord. Now, when first century Christians began to discover the fullness of the divinity of Christ and his messianic role in the universe, they began to declare that Jesus is Lord. In fact, at their baptisms, that was de the declaration that was most prominently shared. Kyrios Christos, Christ is Lord. Now, when they did that, they were affirming the Lordship of Jesus Christ in their life, and they were disputing the notion that Caesar was God, that Caesar was some eternal sovereign. And sometimes they did so at their peril, even their death. In an article that I read this week by Peter Heck, he wrote, Every time first century Christians fell prostrate before Jesus, their Savior, every time they acknowledged Jesus as God manifest, every time they sought to spread the good news about Jesus, they were defiantly juxtaposing themselves against the prevailing sentiment of the known world that haplessly worshipped earthly power. I pray, Meadowbrook, that you and I will find ourselves in the same place as those first century Christians. As absurd the thought that Caesar was the beginning, the restorer, the common good fortune for all, Savior, divine, as he ascribed himself, so is the absurdity that any of us would have such hope in any political way, any politician, any man, any woman, any order, any system, or any government. None of those things or none of those people come to the element of what you and I have in Jesus Christ. So as the political and the cultural chaos continues to unfold in the U.S., it is more evident that our hope rests totally, securely, and exclusively in Jesus Christ, the King of glory. Anybody want to agree with me on that? He has founded our heavenly citizenship 
and we are already dwelling in that kingdom if we have trusted in him by faith now rarely do I talk on topics most of the time I can just take you from one verse to another verse to another verse and that's the way I prefer to teach but every now and then we need to talk about a topic and the topic for today is the kingdom of God I'd actually planned this several weeks ago even months ago knowing that this Sunday was going to be a big Sunday for us to have a reset didn't matter to me who was going into the White House I knew you and I needed a reset we had been through some very difficult political days we're continuing to be in those difficult days and so we need a kingdom of God mental reset so as the United States the unity of it declines it causes me to rejoice all the more in our citizenship in the kingdom of heaven and to long more passionately for us to dwell there eternally it's coming it is coming so here's a great passage that you and I ought to be thinking about these days for the kingdom of God is of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit that's an important verse let's just read it aloud in unity if you can read this screen or another screen let's read it together for the kingdom of God is of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit now I don't know if there's anybody in this place or anybody watching us on streaming today anybody listening on mix 102.9 anybody hearing the podcast anybody listening at mbchurch.com I don't know of anybody out there who would be listening to this message who would not say, hey, I don't want any part of righteousness, joy, or even peace. Every one of us want that. I don't know anybody that does not want to live rightly before God and other people. And certainly we want our family to live rightly before God and other people. We want the people around us to live rightly before God and other people. And everybody here wants to know peace. We want to know peace with God. We want to know peace with other people. We want to even know peace within ourselves. And everybody here wants joy, an inexpressible joy that is not mitigated on circumstances or events or happenings joy that is deeply settled that is given to us as a gift by God in the Holy Spirit you and I recognize that righteousness peace and joy comes from the Spirit of God it's not something we earn it's not something that we move into it's not something that happens out of Montgomery or Washington or anywhere else it happens when we are in personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ and given to us and exercised in us by the Holy Spirit so we long for this righteousness and peace and joy I just want us to be reminded that we want those things and the source of those things has not been or will not be in Donald Trump nor Joe Biden or any other man or any other woman. The Bible clearly says these come in the Holy Spirit. So the church needs to be magnifying that. The church needs to be embracing that. The church needs to be exercising in that truth. I would say turn off the talking heads turn off the news cycles and just be enjoying the presence of God and the righteousness that has been given to us in Christ the peace that Christ gave us which he promised before he left this world my peace I give to you the joy that we have knowing that he is the great reconciler and it's moving all things unto the moment of our reconciliation fullness 
Let us rest in that truth. Now, understanding that that is the case, that doesn't mean that we forego longing for and working towards the truth that we hold as self-evident that all men are created equal. Everybody is empowered by their creator with certain unalienable rights. Those are rights that cannot be taken away from you. They are given to us by our creator God. We believe that those things, as our Declaration of Independence has declared, are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That's what it means to be an American. We trust in those words, and we give towards those words, and if you will, we work as citizens of the United States towards those things for all people. We live in the greatest country in the world which allows us to have those rights. There are many people around the world who long to be U.S. citizens because they want these rights. They want to be able to pursue with the fullness that God has given to them. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. They long for those things, and rightly so. I recognize, though, the fullness of life that is lived as a United States citizen the fullness of life on earth isn't comparable to the wondrous riches of living in the kingdom of God. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness are great, and they should be aspired. They should be received and walked in for all people, but the kingdom of God is greater. So what is the kingdom of God? By the way, it's an interchangeable phrase, kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God. When you read those two in the Gospels, you, you know that those are one and the same. What is that? Well, in general, the kingdom of God is God's rule and reign over all things. It is his sovereignty over all things. That is all things yesterday, today, and tomorrow, and then throughout all eternity. And this is very evident for us in a couple of passages, really several, but I'm just going to highlight a couple of them. And one is Psalm 103, 19. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rule over all. So in the heavens, plural, in the sky in which we see, in the universe in which we reach towards in amazing ways from NASA and others, we see that God is established, has established his throne in those heavens and heaven above where he dwells. And his, his rule is over those things and his kingdom rule is over all. All that is on earth, beneath the earth, in the seas, in the sky, Christ Jesus rules over them all. That's the kingdom of God. It's the eternal sovereign rule of God over all things. Romans chapter 13. Hey, if you're interested in how God views government and what you and I need to be thinking about in a biblical worldview way, Romans 13 is a passage for you. Here's how it begins. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities for there is no authority except from God. You say, well, I don't like the way the election turned out. There is no authority except from God. You say, I didn't like the election four years ago. There is no authority except from God. God is at work in all those things. God is ruling over all those things. You might say, well, I don't know what he's doing. That's okay, you're not God. And neither am I. And you're grateful for that. Because God is perfect and I'm not. And God's wisdom is full and mine is not and neither is yours. But we trust God that every person ought to be subject to the governing authorities. Why? Because God has put the governing authorities in place. 
They are all from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Now, sometimes God puts governing authorities in place as a way of discipline of the people, of the culture in which they govern. You saw that in Israel many times. The culture mandates the government. I said there's a lot of things that was on the election ballots these last few days. The right to terminate a baby in the last moments in its womb. The legality of drugs that are hard drugs. The embracing of values that are of the world and not of heaven. The selection of people, some of whom prove to lie and cheat and manipulate. All those things have been instituted by God. God is in the midst of them. It could be that God is placing rulers over us as he is giving us over in our sin. It could be that God is gracious in giving us rulers in certain positions in which reflect the heart of the church. I have met some of those in D.C. And I've walked away from those conversations that I've had with those men and women and said, thank you, God, Everyone who has been placed in authority is placed in authority by God. And what you and I need to be talking about is not the individuals, but you and I need to be talking about the God who sovereignly rules over all individuals. What is God doing? Where is he in the midst of all of this? What is this that God is doing in his kingdom these days? Now, we talk about the kingdom of God, we need to think of it in a couple of different ways, specifically and then generally. Specifically, God is providing perfect rule and reign through Jesus Christ for those who are given to the citizen kingdomship of heaven. Now, this is primarily evident in that Christ will physically reign in the millennial kingdom on earth. There is coming a time when Christ will return to earth in a glorious fashion. The whole world will see it. Nobody will be guessing about it. You don't have to wonder, did he, did he come? Is he here? You will know he will come when he comes because he will come in glory. And when he comes in glory, he will defeat enemies and he will set his throne right in the midst of Jerusalem and he will rule and reign for a thousand years with an iron scepter. He will rule with his strength and all the world will be at peace. That's a millennial kingdom. And in the millennial kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, is made manifest physically. So that's coming. If you're interested in that, Hunter is teaching us on Wednesdays through Revelation, and he is moving towards that. We're, we're in the precursors to that period of time in the study that we're in on Wednesdays. I encourage you to come at 6 o'clock in this room. So the kingdom of God is going to be very physical in the millennial reign of Christ Jesus on earth. Jesus Christ will one day complete our salvation, making us glorious in the kingdom of heaven. And as the kingdom of God is manifest in heaven, 
our salvation will be complete. So you have been saved the moment that you trusted in Christ and submitted your life to his lordship. You were saved. You are continuing to be saved by the Holy Spirit. He has sealed you, authenticated you as one who belongs to God. And one day in the future, you will stand before Jesus Christ and you will be complete. You will be made glorious in bodily form as you are in spirit by declaration of his word. And that you will be completed in your salvation and you will be made to last for all eternity in the new heaven and the new earth and the kingdom of God will be there so we already know specifically through Christ who rules and reigns the kingdom of God is coming in a millennial kingdom then it will usher in an eternal kingdom in the new heaven and the new earth but the kingdom of heaven until that time is a spiritual kingdom in which Jesus Christ rules and reigns in the hearts of people who have given themselves to him. And if you have trusted in Christ Jesus and your life is yielded to him, he rules over your heart. Remember those old tracts, the four spiritual laws and the visual of you or me having the rule of our life. I'm gonna live life the way I wanna live it. It's like we're singing the Sinatra song, I did it my way. I was at a funeral, didn't conduct it, but I was at a funeral one time where that song was played in the funeral. And I thought, is there anything that is more foreign to the gospel of Jesus Christ than that song? The whole point of life is to recognize if I rule my life, I rule it in a sinful way, in a way that is antagonistic towards God, in a rebellious way to God, and my rule and my reign separates me from the holy, eternal God of the universe. What I need to have is a dethroning of me over my heart and so I submit myself I deny myself unto Christ Jesus and I say to him you rule you reign if I continue to do it it will be unto my eternal death and it will bring calamity on the earth and everybody around me so oh Christ please rule my heart take the throne of my life and rule over me and that's where you and I live right now you and I live in a spiritual kingdom of heaven if your faith is in Christ and if it's not you ought to be coming to him if your faith is in Christ you are ruled by him so God is providing this I can't help but think of Colossians chapter 1 verse 13 and 14 he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption the forgiveness of sins that's what's happened Jesus is the authority over our living and God has taken us out of darkness and brought us in a kingdom of his son and that's the kingdom of light that's the kingdom of heaven that's the kingdom of God in which you and I spiritually dwell and as we dwell in the kingdom of God this is the framing of that these are the the parts the components if you will of the kingdom of God number one the enemy is defeated in the kingdom of God the enemy is defeated in us the enemy is defeated his will and way over us has been defeated uh, your eternal life is secure in Christ because the enemy has been defeated the sin that you thought you couldn't get away from you can get away from because the enemy has been defeated you've been transferred out of darkness and into light your great hope is that the enemy is defeated my great hope is the enemy is defeated glory be to God for that and as the enemy is defeated Jesus reigns 
and he reigns victorious over us and that victory ought to be resonating in us right now don't be defeated because the news or the chaos is prevailing come back to the understanding that you and I who are in faith in Jesus Christ have a defeated enemy that is no more ruling and reigning in our life but Christ rules and reigns in our life and with Christ ruling and reigning that means that righteousness is ruling he is ruling rightly over us and to us and through us his peace is prevailing in us his joy is abounding in us our living is fruitful because we stay connected to him to the vine, to the vine and we are gloriously living because he gloriously fills us this is the biblical worldview of who we are as citizens of the kingdom of heaven don't be distracted with the kingdom of the world these days sure engage it sure work towards life liberty and the pursuit of happiness but as you do so stand victoriously in that christ rules and reigns over your life and he affords all these things can i just remind us of this great truth you don't have to earn those things you don't have to work towards those things Christ is those and he is working those in us as a gift by God to us you can rest confidently in that you can live out the expressions of that because you've been empowered to do so by the spirit of Christ who dwells within you so when our country has lost its way and the American experiment is tested and divisions threaten great chasms of separation we don't run from the trouble. We encourage people to run into the kingdom of God. Imagine the hope of a nation whose citizens' hearts, Jesus rules, and righteousness and peace and joy and fruitfulness and glory flow freely and fully. All oh, that we might be moving people in that truth. So as people are talking about the, the events unfolding, take opportunity to ask them, what do you think God is doing what do you think God is doing in the midst of all of that and then respond to them I believe that God is revealing our brokenness individually and collectively as a nation I think he's revealing brokenness when we attempt to live life without his rule I think that's what's happening if you want to live life without the rule of God God says okay I'll let you live right life without my rule and you'll see the misery that unfolds and the chaos that ensues and the separation that will be great remind people of that that one day Jesus will rule and reign here on earth and then throughout eternity and in the kingdom of God there is righteousness and peace and joy and fruitfulness and glory remind them that it doesn't have to be the way it is right now remind us of a people that those who trust in Jesus and submit our lives to his lordship will spiritually experience a kingdom now and then gloriously will experience that kingdom in the future and then throughout all eternity remind them that you can't have the physical kingdom of heaven without surrendering yourself to the lordship of Jesus Christ today and entering the spiritual kingdom of heaven by faith remind people that you can enter the kingdom of God and experience the fullness of life and you can live with him and he with you and you can be confident of eternal life when you hear of the brokenness remind them of the fullness of Christ 
remind them of the restoration of Christ, the reconciliation of Christ, and the hope that is in Christ. We have a wondrous opportunity with so much brokenness. We have a wonderful opportunity to remind people that Jesus is reconciling all things to himself, and he starts with your heart. And then from your heart, he moves to the people around you, and to the church, and to the community. Remind people of that, that our hope as a country and its people is the kingdom of God. It's not in another politician. It's not in the Supreme Court justices. It's not in the House. It's in the kingdom of God. That's our great hope. That's what made this country great to begin with. You had people that were given to the kingdom of God. And that's what can make this country great again. Not somebody in D.C., but somebody who rules on a throne over all the universe. Remind people of that. Now, with that in mind, let me just sort of reframe our thinking biblically about government. I'm just going to mention three quick points. First, government is God's gift to humanity. You might say, well, it looks like a gag gift right now, (laughs) and I get that. But really, government is God's gift to humanity. It is the means of God to provide good for people and to protect the innocent, punishing the evildoer and rewarding the righteous. That's a gift of God. And according to Romans 13, there is that system in place by God's order to bring that about. That's what government, by God's ordination, is meant to do. Protect the innocent, punish the evil, and reward the righteous. Now, in the future, the new heaven and the new earth, there will be a glorious presence of God such that we need no governmental system. We need no order. We need no politicians. Hallelujah to that. We just need God. We just submit under His rule and His reign, and everything is right, and everything is glorious, and everything is true. We need no systems like what we have on earth. In fact, Revelation chapter 21, verse 3 says this, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with men. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. (laughs) That means that everything is fulfilled. That God is with us, and we are with God, and we need no other systems. We are under his care and under his authority, and it is good. But until then, God has established a system of order called government, and that it's meant to be good for people. Then number two, governments fail to fulfill their God-given responsibility. I don't know of a single government in history that has ever been perfect in fulfilling their God-ordained call. Benjamin Franklin once said, man will ultimately be governed by God or by tyrants. That's evident in the branches of government. We're experiencing chaos and brokenness in our country, the unavoidable results of denying or rejecting God and his word. For example, lawlessness comes when a culture and government reject the moral laws of God. When you reject the moral laws of God, the whole structure falls apart. The culture falls apart. Society falls apart. When you undermine the very basic form of society, the husband and wife and family, when you undermine that, 
everything starts to fall apart and every other moral law that God has instituted throughout his order. When you undermine that, it brings chaos and confusion, and we are certainly there. Meaningful life for all citizens is only possible when culture and the government believe that all life is sacred. Meaningful life is rooted in the sanctity of life. And I would say every sin that mankind knows against others is rooted and they have discounted the sanctity of life. You go back throughout history and where you have racism and prejudice, there has been a discounting of the sanctity of life of people. And when you have murder, there is discounting and rejecting and denying the sanctity of that life as it is holy unto God. And when you abort babies in the womb at any time, then you have discounted and rejected the sanctity of that life. And when you as a culture or us as a nation or our government as leaders voted on by the people, when we do that, that rejection, that brokenness brings chaos and God's strict discipline. The fullness of peace is only possible when people have the Prince of Peace ruling and reigning over their hearts. So there is no peace without the Prince of Peace. And when this country has an awakening spiritually unto Jesus Christ, and he takes up residence in them by his Spirit, and he rules in their hearts with his peace, then you and I as a nation will experience that wondrous peace. Theologian and writer Wayne Grudem makes two critical points. Culture that drifts from Christianity tends to drift from true democracy into another democracy-flavored political schemes and eventually into subjection to tyranny. Listen to this. Either a democracy guided by self-control and morality keeps itself in check or it crashes. And you and I are experiencing and have been experiencing for years now that crash. So government is God's gift to humanity. Government fails to carry out the God-given responsibility given. And then though governments fail the mandate of God, churches must succeed in our mission. Government is not the answer for our country. The church holds the answer for the success of our country and any other country or any other individual in the world. The church is uniquely called and empowered by God to express the kingdom of God, an eternal kingdom that is now available to all people spiritually and ultimately will be available physically. So you and I as a church to succeed in our mission must be praying for a spiritual awakening to the kingdom of God and communicate the gospel pointing people to Jesus Christ. That is our duty. Pray for a spiritual awakening, live out the expressions of that kingdom and invite people to that by coming into the door who is Jesus Christ. We ought to be very engaged in that during this day. So the church should not be troubled We ought to recognize that the historicity of mankind has been ebbing and flowing with sin and brokenness and rejection and discipline. We hold the answer, and the answer is Jesus Christ. The answer is his kingdom. 
move towards the pursuit of life, liberty, and happiness, but make sure people understand the fullness of life, liberty, and happiness is in the kingdom of God. Secondly, individuals ought to demonstrate a life of righteousness, peace, joy, fruitfulness, and glorious living in Christ Jesus. You and I ought to be expressing that. Let me just pause to say, in the conversations that you're having about what you're seeing, reading, watching, no matter your political sway or opinion, no matter if your person won or lost, is it evident that you and I are demonstrating a life in the kingdom of God of righteousness, of peace, joy, fruitfulness, and glorious living? Is it evident? Is your conversation more prominent about the kingdom of God or is it more prominent about the brokenness of the kingdom of the world? Is your life a demonstration of these things? Because these things are given to you by Jesus Christ. Are you living righteously? Okay, you can point an accusatory finger to somebody else. You can talk about how this politician failed you or that politician failed you or how this system is broken or that system is broken. But the question remains, are you and I living rightly before God and others? Are we demonstrating life in the kingdom of God? Are we making a difference? Does anybody long to be in the kingdom of God as they see the brokenness of the kingdom of the world? Are they longing to be in the kingdom of God because you and I choose to let Christ rule and reign in our life and it's evident by our righteous living, by the peace that we have and we express, the words that we post, the texts that we send, the conversations that we have. Is it evident that the Prince of Peace is ruling us? Is it evident that joy is abounding in us, that your fruitfulness of life is because you're connected to Jesus Christ? Is it evident that glory is ever more present in you and me? Don't let the conversations of the world thwart the conversations of the kingdom of God. And don't let the expressions of the world thwart the expressions of the kingdom of God that should be very much vivacious in us. Our daily lives should be revealing the wonder of living in the spiritual kingdom of God. So don't allow your disappointments of the past four years or the coming four years to rob your life or your voice from living and expressing Life with righteousness, peace, joy, fruitfulness, and glory. Your kingdom living can be wonderfully evident, I think, as we discuss the current political and cultural climate. It's a grand opportunity, church. Let's not be the church that fails in this moment. It's a moment like none others. Express the kingdom of God. Sure, work diligently in this world unto life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. But more than that, live and express the kingdom of God. Think and live eternally. And then number three, corporately, you and I as a church should demonstrate kingdom living. Demonstrate kingdom living. That is probably, I don't know, 50, 60 different commands for kingdom living for the church. But I'm just going to give you 10. And you can see them in your handout. These are the things that I'd like for us to be focusing on these days. The first of which is to live repentantly. Just live the life of repentance. Repentance is moving away from one thing and moving unto another. And we repent in Christ Jesus. We move away from the things that are not of Christ. We move towards the things that are of Christ. 
We move away from the things of the world. We move towards the things that are eternal. We move away from the debase of the world, and we move unto things that are noble and true, pure, right, holy, things above. So we live repentantly. We choose not to walk in sin. We choose not to communicate sinfully. We choose to be repentant unto Christ Jesus. Follow hard after Christ. And as he said, seek first his kingdom. Follow hard after him these days. Honor God's law. Even when the law of mankind does not honor God's law, you and I should be honoring God's law. And the law of God is reduced, as Jesus said, to these two points. Love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love people as you love yourself. Love your neighbor. Love one another, pursue peace, and live in unity. This is as a church. This is what we express as a church. Loving one another, pursuing peace with one another, and living united. If we want those things for our country, and we do, then we ought to be engaging in those ways in our church life. So where there is a lack of loving one another, lack of pursuing peace with one another, and lack of unity, you and I need to ask the Spirit of Christ to engage our heart and our mind and our purposes in such a way that you and I demonstrate that. So I obviously hate the disunity that is in our country. I hate the lack of peace that we're experiencing as a country right now. But that which we see in the kingdom of the world ought to be very different evident here at this church. We've got to be loving each other, pursuing peace with one another, and living united with one another. Be fruitful. Be fruitful in the kingdom of God. Be fruitful uh, in a way that uh, you're productive unto the glory of God. Fear not. That was a direct command of the church. Living in the kingdom of God. Fear not. Don't let fear take over your thoughts. Don't let fear move you to action. Fear not. That's what I loved about the songs we were singing today. It was obvious that Christ Jesus is covering us. So fear not. Deny ourselves to the honor of Christ. Choose no to us in our sinful fleshly ways and yes to Christ. Visualize Jesus sitting on the throne of your heart and mind and live out that expression. Be prayerful, make disciples, and serve one another, particularly serve the weak now those are direct commands that are given to the church in which you and I must not fail those aren't suggestions those aren't ways to healthy living those aren't ways to a peaceful life those are direct commands by God to us as a church and that's where we need to be engaging so be in the kingdom of God how do you get into the kingdom of God through Jesus Christ denying yourself and your rule and coming under the rule and reign of Christ, foregoing the old way and embracing the new way of holiness by the nature of Christ that will dwell within you. He will, by faith, remove your sins, forgive you of them, and give to you righteousness. Come to faith in Christ. Enter the kingdom of God spiritually. You won't enter the kingdom physically in heaven one day without first entering the spiritual kingdom of God in this world today. So come to the spiritual kingdom of Christ. Let him rule and reign over your life. And then demonstrate that. Live out the demonstration of it is, what it is to be kingdom citizens. 
And as you're living out that very purposeful way of life with Christ ruling and reigning over us, with his peace, with his joy, with his fruitfulness, with his glory, with all that abounding in us, communicate to other people. You are in conversations today that if you'll think about it and let the Holy Spirit guide you, will usher the conversation very easily to the eternal kingdom of Christ. Have those conversations. It is on the forefront of everybody's mind. So they're talking about the political chaos. Remind them there is one who is ruling and who will rule physically one day that you never have to worry about righteousness. He is altogether righteous. You never have to worry about him being an a judge that's not fair. He is full of justice. You never have to worry about him being unmerciful. He's full of love and mercy. Remind them of Jesus and his kingdom that he is inviting people to. What an opportunity for us. May the church be found faithful in these days. Would you pray with me? Lord, thank you for establishing for us your kingdom it's ultimately for you, for your glory, but you have established it in a way that we could enter into it through Christ Jesus. We bless you for that kind of love and mercy and grace. We treasure it, Lord. Willing to lay down anything that we once thought of a treasure in order to have, to hold that which is eternally valuable, life, relationship with you. I pray, Lord, that if there's some in this room, some who are watching, some who are listening, and they are not in your spiritual kingdom, that this would be the day of salvation for them. That they would lay down all things, including sin and rejection, and embrace Jesus and come to him in faith. I thank you for salvation like that. And for us in the church, Lord, I pray that you would empower us to rightly live and communicate and invite people into your kingdom. And may Jesus Christ be glorified in that. It's in his name I pray. Amen.